Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Bill Arnold, and it's Monday, and I cannot tell you how happy I am that it's Monday. I love Mondays. It gives us a chance to do what God has called us to do. Unless you work weekends, maybe you work weekends. So um, thanks for working weekends, and thanks for doing what you do. You know, whatever job you have, you can bring uh, glory to God. You can bring dignity to any job you do and bring glory to his name by treating Whatever you have as a job is an act of worship to him. So I'm going to talk to my friend Patrick Albanese to get things started. You know, he's my friend uh, that we have been in the same business for about 35 years together. Um, Not working together, but in the same business. Uh, Patrick is a um, comedian and a magician, and he's been um, on WHO radio in Des Moines. He's also uh, had a stint on Channel 8 TV in Des Moines. So Uh, He's just a lot of fun to talk to. So what I'm going to do is take a little break and then bring him on. Hi, I'm Neil Stavum, manager of Faith Radio. I've been a part of Northwestern Media for over 40 years, and it never ceases to amaze me to see and hear about the growing family of givers to this ministry. Every day of the month, all throughout the year, gifts are processed from generous friends who partner with us consistently and cheerfully supporting the station that proclaims the gospel, teaches the Bible, builds up believers, and invites all to experience new life in Christ. To all of you who make up this great team of supporters, whether new givers or long-time investors, thank you. Your gifts have made an impact in thousands of lives for this life and in the life to come. And if you're enjoying the benefits of this ministry because of the sacrifice of others, why not take a share in our support needs? Your gift helps lighten the load and allows for greater ministry ahead as Faith Radio grows in impact and effectiveness. Join today with an online gift at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I always love talking to my friend uh, Patrick Albanese. He's my uh, friend. He's my fellow performer buddy and also uh, my colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines, although I learned last time he doesn't technically live in West Des Moines. But, of course, I'm trying to get over that. I've been dealing through that in group. Yeah. That's uh, well, I hope some people were contributing some ideas. Yeah, I think they were the first to go through this pain <laughs> <laughs> and happy uh, first time we have spoken in August and here the month is upon us. And you know what August means? It means Iowa State Fair, Minnesota State Fair and then back to school and then back to school and, you know, a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, I, I never really get to listen to the show because by the time that you and I are done, when I, I turn on the radio, we're, we're already gone. I know. So I don't, yeah. It's like, <laughs> you never get to hear uh, it. I never get to hear it. But uh, yeah, back to, and, and I have a, a reunion coming up and they're, they're holding it in September. So this is one of my, my high school reunions. And uh, it's not the 10th. I know you're asking. Yeah. I know you're thinking. 
Nope. Are you doing the teeth whitening strips? Uh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't think it's too late to get the calf implants either to say, look at that. Remember how skinny he was? Right. Look at at this guy now. Yeah. But the Iowa State Fair, how many days is that? They see do 11 days. Okay. So it kind of opens on a Thursday. Uh, and then it closes the following Sunday, so yeah. about 11 days. And then there's, I think, one night that is designated for lawbreaking. I think that's the the last, uh, the second Friday that it's open. You just, uh, it's one of those you uh, avoid. It's it's kind of funny. I think they call it East Siders Night, and it's just be kind of kind of become this tradition for all the East Siders to go there and cause all sorts of trouble. I don't know. So everybody says, don't go on East Siders night. Don't go on East Siders night. You know, here's this beautiful state fair with corn dogs and they do everything on a stick. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to open up a stand. I think this year, Pepto-Bismol on a stick. I think (laughs) you put it on a stick, somebody will eat it. I think we um, should start a business selling sticks. I think that's, that's where the money is. Stick on a stick. Just sell <laughs> sticks. You guys want sticks? Oh. All your food's on a stick. We yeah, got, we got I think your stick. Had, yeah, I think I, I like one year I had to do something on one of the stages for one of the TV stations, and I called it "shtick on a stick." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was the only one that got the joke. But I think uh, <laughs> yeah, I got it as well. But uh, so that's yeah. two of us now. So that's two of us. You know, with uh, we we love to honor teachers, and and I know you had an event recently where you were speaking to teachers, kind of giving them a little encouraging talk as they're getting ready to start their year. And Mm -hmm. I know what a blessing that was uh, for them. And, you know, we don't, we don't spend enough time thanking our teachers, but you and I both had some pretty amazing teachers. And I would, I would love just to, uh, just to reminisce for a minute or two about some of these great men and women that have influenced us. Yeah. And it's, you don't see it necessarily at the time. You, you certainly, as a as a teenager, don't say, well, you know, Mr. Fetima here, uh, the thing that you just taught me, I'll still be talking about that in 40 years, or I'll be talking about the influence. You don't know. Yeah. And the, the sad thing is, is, you know, talking to teachers, it's you almost have to remind them that it's like the kids don't know yet. They don't know the influence that you're having on them. And unfortunately, it's that it's that long game. That, uh, you know, you're going to be in some retirement village somewhere and somebody's going to come knocking on the door and say, remember me? I was that kid. I still remember you. I think about you all the time. And I I, I'm, I can only guess. But that's got to be pretty impactful that when you've put your career into something that years later, somebody comes and knocks on your door and says, you had a profound influence on me. That's got to be amazing. Got to be amazing. I, yeah. That's going to be happening to me. <laughs> now, you, <laughs> you had a teacher, you had a teacher that uh, used to love puns and he sort of discovered that that you loved them as well. So you guys had kind of a fun little relationship together. Yeah, and so we would we would have these competitions to try and construct and they wouldn't just be like like a, a pun, you know, that uh, uh, here I'll, I'll I'll construct one of the old favorites. Uh, uh, they're kind of one you know one liners, where it's like you know I. I uh, um, what was this uh, teacher's name, by the way? This was Solus Ploplus. Say that again and say it slower. Uh, you can't say it slow. Got to zip right through. Solus Ploplus. It's an awful lot of vowels. It's really. <laughs> where was Solus Ploplus from? Lithuania. Okay, so he comes uh, by Solus Ploplus honestly. Yeah, that's what he told us. He's okay. from Lithuania. Right. You know, it, now that I think I've go, I should have said, speak Lithuanian for me. 
And, and, and why, why did you not change your last name from Ploplus to something a little more palatable? Because <laughs> in America, that doesn't sound like a nice last name. Yeah. But uh, he was uh, an exquisite teacher. He, he taught physics and, uh, and chemistry. And you know, for most kids, those are pretty dry, dull subjects. And I liked math, but, you know, I have to admit, some of it was a little bit dry, but he would make it fun. He, Mr. Strock was the, uh, the, the chemistry physics teacher that uh, I guess they were in competition. And he would do these like, OK, well, here's a pair of pliers. And uh, uh, on the outside, you'll be squeezing. And inside the, uh, the teeth of the pliers will be Mr. Strock's finger. <laughs> And uh, Mr. Trock will start screaming when a pressure of 50 pounds per square inch is placed upon his finger. The, uh, the, the pliers have a mechanical advantage of three. How much pressure do you need to exert on the outside of the pliers? And usually that's about when Mr. Strock could walk in. <laughs> <laughs> He'd say, what, is that my finger up on the board? <laughs> oh, the creativity that teachers use uh, just to engage kids is that kind of stuff is just, I think it's amazing and just wonderful. Yeah, and he would do these long, elaborate stories that would end in one of those pun punchlines, and you didn't often see it coming. And they would be they would be groaners, but you always had to appreciate the craftsmanship that went into creating uh, one of these these very elaborate puns. That I remember some of them forty. I mean, excuse me, ten years later. <laughs> no, you're busted. You're busted. Just so you know. Make it 40. All right. Make it. Coming up on 40. What, what was the, give me one of the gems from Mr. Ploplus. Uh, so uh, we'd have this one. Uh, this was so ridiculous. He'd say, you're driving down the road. It, they always started out. You're there. You, I always say to my friends these days, you know what? I noticed that every story that has a bad ending starts with, there I was minding my own business. <laughs> every, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you should never never mind your own business, right? Yeah, <laughs> there yeah. I was minding my own business when this happened. The other terrible so start is so my cousin and I. That usually doesn't <laughs> end up well. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we're not talking to this day. <laughs> right. uh, uh, so you're driving down the road, and uh, this giant snake, Nate the snake, and you love snakes, and Nate the snake starts to cross the road, and you realize you don't want to harm Nate, so you. You say, I better veer off the road, but you realize that just off the side of the road, conveniently located, is this giant lever that if you hit it, it blows up China. So now you have to make a decision. You know, do I veer and blow up China or do I run over this this snake? And, and of course, all those kids are going, well, what, what do you do? He says, well, you, you got to run over the snake because, you know, better Nate than lever. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing this to a bunch of teenage kids who, of course, teenagers like puns. Yeah. They do. Yeah. I think that might be why, even to this day, I still love puns because he was such an enjoyable, impactful teacher in so many ways. And I even learned some stuff in that class. Uh, I couldn't beat him up a flight of stairs. This guy was overweight, but he was, turned out, we found out like a second or third degree black belt. <laughs> and it's, you had no clue. And one day he challenges the entire a bunch of 15, 16 year olds to a race up and down the stairs. And we're thinking, are you kidding me, Mr. Ploplus? Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> and he smoked us all. <laughs> you know, he was he's in the cafeteria with a cup of coffee going, where were you guys? <laughs> oh, funny. Wasn't he the human flycatcher as well? Yeah, he would do this. 
he, he was incredibly swift of hand. And uh, yeah, occasionally, you know, springtime and summertime as you're getting into the summer in the Chicago schools, especially the ones without the air conditioning. Uh, so we'd have the windows open and we'd just be fly infested. And this guy could just swat him out of the air. He, You'd see a fly going around. His hand would make a move. And the fly would be gone. And you think, what happened? He says, well, I caught it. And he would open his hand and there was the fly. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't dead, but it was stunned as, as if it was doing final exams, you know. <laughs> so, look, the, we all had usually around May. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, you had teachers. That, oh, yeah. yeah but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one of my stories when we come back from break. Patrick Albany is my guest, my friend and colleague from prestigious West Des Moines. We'll take a short break and be right back. back to the show. Awfully glad to be chatting with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from prestigious West Des Moines. We're chatting about uh, the start of school coming up in about three or four weeks and how teachers make such an amazing difference in the lives of students. And you never quite know exactly if you're a teacher, what kind of influence or impact you're having on kids. But trust me, it's significant and it's a big deal. And the difference you make is enormous. So we're celebrating teachers today and letting them know that as you're getting ready for uh, school starting in three or four weeks, that we're just behind you 100%. And may God bless you and your preparation and all you're going to do for kids and making a difference in their lives. Um, I had so yeah. many teachers that... Have, have heart, in other words, have heart. <laughs> have heart, yeah. I had so yeah. much fun with teachers, um, and, and I know they were all rule breakers, and they probably wouldn't be able to get away with what they did today. Um, what they did back then. So, wow. Well, of course. Um, so, for example, yeah. Well, uh, for example, um, you know, I, I lost uh, my stepdad my junior year in high school, and it was just amazing the teachers that would literally spend their precious time between classes checking in on me. And there was one teacher, uh, Mr. O'Doherty, and he was really, really uh, an interesting guy. And you didn't, if you didn't have, have him for a teacher, you were a little relieved because he was so hard. But, you know, one mm-hmm. day I get a, a, a pink note and you've got to come see Mr. O'Doherty. And I'm thinking, oh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and I'm literally feeling sweat down my back and I get up there and, and he just puts his arm around me and says, I just needed to catch up with you. See how you're doing. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know. I walked up this long flight. I had a teacher, by the way, I had a teacher do the exact similar thing uh, between 7th and 8th grade. Summer of 7th and 8th grade is when my father passed away. And uh, I had Mr. Sleeva in 7th grade, and I was pretty overjoyed that there I was, you know, landing in his class again. And he pulls me aside first day as I check in. He says, how are you? How are you doing? Heard about your dad. I am really, really, I'm here for you if you need anything. And I did keep in contact with him. He go, what an impactful thing to do. But Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. And then uh, my English uh, teacher, Mr. Jensen, who passed away two years ago, um, you know, he and his wife didn't ever have their own kids. So they sort of just under their wing adopted a million kids. And uh, they had, uh, you know, pictures of me, you know, and a million other students in their basement wall because they just had family. And uh, he would would always go to, uh, you know, sporting events to support the kids and his students. And uh, it was just amazing how you would walk into his class and he'd be sitting in one of the students chairs chatting 
and just, you know, not up at the front of the room, just in one of the chairs. And there'd always be a student that would go, okay, Mr. Jensen, out of my chair. You know, just having that instant kind of rapport that, that, you know, we're going to, we're going to have fun in this room. We're going to learn and we're going to, we're going to get to know each other and care about each other. And that stuff doesn't, you never forget that stuff. And when I was looking at the comments from his funeral, there were, you know, a whole ton of students that have now gone on and had great lives. I said, boy, what I learned in that classroom, I'll never forget. Yeah. It's, it, except for the one straight comment says, is it too late to petition for the A plus? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The, the, it's, you know, uh, and I don't want to show any disrespect to the teachers that I don't remember as well by name, of course. Um, but you realize, gosh, maybe I had a lot more really good teachers than I realized, but some of them really stood out and you, you, you carry it with you for so many years. But I mean, for example, I can't really remember a teacher that I just disliked. I, I had ones that were, were pretty tough. Um, you know, and I was the sixth Albanese, you know, oh boy. out of eight. So there's I a reputation ahead of you. Oh, you know, there's not, there's nothing worse than sitting in a, you know, a desk. Uh, and of course with my last name, it was first row, first seat. Right. I did way, way back then. I know where that Zizix kid sat. <laughs> You're kidding. Corner to me, kid. Z-Y-Z-Y-X, huh? Is that a made up name? Oh, I, you, funny. you get snap back there. But, uh, so I, it was almost like, are you a good Albanese? You're, you're like Glinda, 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 good witch in Wizard of Oz. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Yeah. It's like a good Albanese or a bad Albanese. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And I, I, I remember I had U.S. history with this Mr. Sheehan and he was pretty tough, but he, he did have one flaw and I will admit to this on radio for, for the listener to hear. And this, this condemns me. I may lose my transcripts out of this, but, uh, my sister, the year before me, was a spectacular student, so ridiculously smart, and I struggled in U.S. history, and you had to do these papers, four of them, uh, one per, per quarter um, during for the U.S. history class, and I basically, word for word, copied my sister's papers, got the same grade she got, and he's like, nice work. <laughs> like, Come on, you have to know. You have to know. I'm kind of this C-minus guy that hands in an A-plus report. Come on. <laughs> But I, I, I didn't hope, want to set the apple cart. Yeah, so. I hope you've repented for that. I did. Yeah. Well, I think he knew. Yeah. In Minnesota, when we had some early snowfalls and there was a long walk up steps to get to this the high school, uh, there would be uh, snow fights that would happen. And I guess it was you know, not a good idea to, for people to be throwing snowballs. So they put a teacher, my homeroom teacher, on duty to monitor, you know, he's sort of there as a representative to go, no, you know, no messing around. And I'm walking up the stairs, I get hit with a snowball and I look up and it's him. He's making another one. <laughs> Who's going to turn him in? Exactly. Exactly. And it's the, like the, the most in, in, endearing thing ever, you know, that that's the teachers there. They, they loved kids. They cared about kids. They, they showed kids that, you know, I'm, I'm going to, make time to be there for you. And, um, and I'm also gonna have a little fun with you too. So, uh, we it, had, yeah, we had a, a, and this is something that, uh, no way it could exist today, but our, our high school had a smoking area for the kids that smoked. Yeah. Ours did too. And you would often see teachers out there. Yeah. Yeah. There were nine. <laughs> no, ours was at door nine. Door nine was a smoking door. Nine, yeah. 
Yeah. They called ours the corral for some reason. <laughs> yeah. But you would occasionally see teachers out there with them, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should take up smoking so I can maybe get some, <laughs> some you know, improve my grades because it looks like these guys have an in with the teacher. You know, you hand them a, a something, and they, they go, you know what? You are an A student. But, of course, you go, wow, that was not that long ago that that was, I think, every high school kind of had that, didn't mm-hmm. they? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things yeah, I was strange. hoping we would do from this little reminiscing time, and it's been awfully fun to reminisce, is to encourage people to go through their little brain and think who and what teacher did I have that I could take 10 minutes to sit down and send them an email, write them a letter, or let them know what a yeah. difference they made in my life. Golly, you know, imagine... Yeah, make the task super simple because I think everybody's got an email address. It's not that hard to locate people even on Facebook and say the simple, just a simple note, just letting you know as I'm coming up on my 40th reunion, I still think about you every now and then and the impact you had on me. Thanks for being a great teacher. I mean, how long does it take to write that one? Yeah. Then cut cut and paste it. A couple hundred of those things, you're good. But yeah, yeah, that would be what a... What a nice thing if, if I mean, in, in our age now, have you ever had anybody kind of come up to you and say, yeah, that thing you told me 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, at the time, I didn't get it, but now I do. Yeah. Thank you. What you'll find even weirder, Patrick, at, when you go to your reunion is you'll have somebody come up to you and say something that you did or said to them that changed their life in a way, and you're going to not remember it. You know, uh, that's actually true. I remember going to my 20-year reunion and this woman walks out to me and says, hey. And I go, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Don't recall ever seeing her anywhere. Oh, Chris, my name's Christine. And I'm like, great to see you. And she says, you know, I never told you, but uh, all through high school, I had a crush on you. And I'm thinking, you're telling me now? <laughs> 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 a little late and I'm going, I don't even know who you are. And she was, I was on the swim team. I'm like, I don't like swimming. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it was an amazing conversation to find out, oh my gosh, somebody just came up to me 20 years after the fact and said, I always thought you were pretty cool. It's like you, That's it was, amazing. You. it was very interesting. Yeah. So you can always start with this letter. It's just saying, you know, uh, dear Mr. Ploppus. Um, plopless. Plopless, yeah. Um, yeah. I want to bless you. Um, I want yeah. to let you know what a difference you made in my life. You'll even get a chance to engage with your beloved teacher on a spiritual level, and maybe you can have a conversation. And if they're reaching a point in their life where you know they, they don't have that kind of uh, discussion or conversation with people, it'd be your opportunity to have it. Yeah, and I could finish a letter to him with uh, perhaps a punchline to one of his classic uh, pun stories, see your nose, the birds are back. <laughs> yeah. And that will, uh, that will let him know that you still remember what he said. I, I still remember. Yeah. It was, it was a Cyrano de Bergerac joke that he had gone to great pains and, and 90% of the kids are going, I don't get it. And it's like, cause they don't know who Cyrano de Bergerac is. <laughs> well, but, thanks yeah. for, uh, thanks for doing the show and I will chat with you again soon. Sounds great. Talk you to bet. you next week. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back.
I am awfully glad to be uh, getting a chance to meet and talk to Mark Moore. He is a teaching pastor at Christ Church, the Valley in Phoenix, and it's uh, a fast-growing and dynamic church. And he's written a book called Core Fifty Two, a fifteen-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. I love that expression, build your Bible IQ. When was the last time you had that thought in your head? How do I increase my Bible IQ? Well, you come to the right uh, place today because we're going to talk to Mark Moore and find out how to do it. Mark, welcome to the show. Bill, thank you for having me. And what is the approximate temperature uh, in Arizona today? Well, inside or out? I'm talking out. I don't care what it is inside. (laughs) This this is our winter, so inside is the same as it in uh, Minnesota. Outside, we're looking at 107 uh, with the potential of monsoon rains. Oh, wow. But they always say it's dry heat, though, so somehow that's better. Well, actually, the, it is better when it's dry, but the monsoon brings moisture, so you can, uh, you can pray for our sanity here. I will. I will indeed. All right, it looks like this is a pretty big statistic. 80% of people in church want to know the Bible better, and I'm surprised it's not even higher than that. Yeah, it's 20% might be people who are currently engaged in and actually making progress, so uh, that's about <laughs> the right number <laughs> yeah. that I look at. Mm-hmm. So why do so many people um, you know, have this passion for knowing the Bible, but it seems like there's not as many that succeed? Yeah, actually, I think there's this misconception, as I talk with other pastors around, I actually had a radio interview out of Portland, which may explain the question. She she said, isn't it hard to get people to want to read the Bible? Actually, no. It, the more surprising stat to me is that 60% of people who say self-identify, I want to know the Bible better, they don't go to any church. And I think the the number is so high because people know that knowing the Bible better will make them better at life. And, man, the stats staggeringly demonstrate that. If, if people engage in the Bible, like our, our listeners right now, if they, if they are reading the Bible on their own four times a week or more, there is kind of a magic number of four times a week. It's called Bible Engaged. They drink to excess 60% less. They commit adultery 59% less. They gamble 50% less. And I could go on, but the the point is clear. Those who engage the Bible, look, this isn't about simply having a higher IQ. It's having a lifestyle that leads to better health. So it sounds like that there is uh, a definite correlation between reading the Bible and having a better life. (laughs) Clearly. And so I think the question that pastors need to start asking is not, how do I get people engaged in the Bible? Because they want to. The question we should be asking is, what's keeping people from it? And it's a surprisingly clear answer. Like, you know this, you at least know one of the two. It's, it's a big book. And how do you process through all, it, all of it? The second is, it's an old book. So how do you keep from getting distracted with the Amalekites and the Jebusites and sacrifices and foreign languages? When, when I travel abroad, I will always have a guide. And I don't want the guide to yammer on all day long. I want the guide to give me enough information to release me on my own, to go out to eat at the right place or to not make a major mistake in greeting or things like that. So 
the guidance I need when I travel to a foreign place is fairly minimal, but I want some kind of guide. If we can offer people a simple guide, and if we can reduce the bigness of the Bible to manageable chunks, I believe that we are going to see a radically increased Bible IQ. And that I like. So you kind of think of yourself more as like a, a personal trainer for spiritual growth. Yeah, trainer, coach, guide. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to like I don't I, I don't need to replace your pastor. You've got a great pastor. Right. But if I can just come alongside and with minimal coaching, say, look at this lane. I find that people if you're an executive in a business, you don't need to you don't have time for a five hour seminar. Give me 15 minutes and I'll figure it out on my own with that minimal training. Mm hmm. So, Mark, I'm looking at your book. I'm in Chapter 6 right now, just to give listeners a little sample of what it might look and feel like. We're in a uh, chapter on Jesus and Moses, and the question is, did Jesus fulfill the promise to replace Moses? And there's this wonderful essay, and then there are uh, key points, and then there is a little um, uh, checklist at the at the end of the chapter about uh, reading the essay. You've got a, a verse to memorize. You've got a couple of chapters to read, and then you've got some things to meditate on, and you've got a little action plan. So this is in a nice chunk, bite-sized way to start digesting and increasing the biblical IQ in a year. Yeah, Bill, that's right. If, so let's say someone wants to get in physical shape, like they want to maximize their core for an athlete or something. They're going to go to a trainer, and the trainer's going to say, okay, Monday we're going to do legs, Tuesday we're going to do, do back. Wednesday, we're going to do arms. And so what I've done here is to try to tap in to a variety of exercises, 15 minutes a day, five days a week. Each different exercise is based out of Core 52. And then actually, they can go look at it right now without even buying the book. They can go to core52.org. Without the book, it's not going to make complete sense, but you'll see the daily exercises. There's free resources there that will help them, like a Fitbit tracker, mm. walk through the exercises each day to make sure they maximize their uh, their knowledge of, and more importantly, their implementation of the principles you find in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about the, this program, because I, I love the concept and I love your your connection to, you know, training in a gym, because I do that five times a week, and I've been doing it my whole life. So this I yep. understand completely. So we're going to want to try to help uh, people get uh, biblical competence in a, in a year. And for some of you who pick up the book for the, maybe you've been a Christian for a couple of years, it's still pretty daunting. So this book will help you get through that and get you to a, a much uh, more competent place in one one year. Yeah, so a little bit of my own history, Bill, is I spent 22 years as a New Testament professor at a university, and my goal was to train people. And man, we we dug deep into words that, like most people, don't even pronounce the Talmud, the Mishnah, the historical background, all that. I love that. So don't get me wrong. I'm like I love deep Bible study, but then I moved to this. Uh, it's not even a mega church. Uh, we're part of a giga church. So on average weekend right now, we'll have 35,000 people on nine different campuses. And I promise you, we're not that good. It just God is doing something among us. So we're just hanging on trying to figure out how to manage the opportunities. Mm -hmm. In that context, I have people coming from executive level, level power positions 
uh, people off the street, everybody in, in between. They want to know the Bible, but how do I how do I coach them with the minimal time they have and the minimal background they have to get the most out of it? So I've identified 52 verses. Obviously, there's thousands that are important, but 52 verses that, in my experience, take people further faster. And so th- that's what is in the book. And I love that because it's it's a, a number that people can um, get their arms around. I mean, we all know 52 is um, something that is not that daunting of a number, and we've got uh, the whole year to work on it. Yep, yep. And it, most people, if this is a priority for you, you can work out. Like you can walk 15 minutes a day if you want to lose weight. You can you can read a book 15 minutes a day if you want to gain some skill in some academic area. 15 minutes a day in the Bible is – I can't think of a more important investment of your time that will have greater ROI with your family, with your job, with your relationships. So, Mark, did you teach this uh, course at your church, and then all of a sudden somebody said, you should really put this in a book? <laughs> Well, actually, we are rolling it out um, as we speak, okay. and our, all of our small group leaders uh, in the next few weeks are going to have access to this. The, the reality is this is not just something that I've worked on for a year or two. This is, this is about 30 years of investment just f- figuring out what are those pivotal verses, the core verses that help people the most. Mm-hmm. So as you were putting this book together— and you're covering uh, really from Genesis to Revelation, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if I pick this book up, is it is it your uh, your hope that I spend a year going through the book? Uh, am I in it every day? What's my commitment to the book, and how do I get the most out of it? Well, that's an excellent question. I, my hope would be. Don't rush it, because if you try to plow through it too quickly, for example, Tuesday is memorize the verse. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say, well, I can't memorize the verse. I'll tell you, after studying Greek and Hebrew and foreign languages and delving in deep, still the most powerful thing I've ever done is memorize Bible verses, because that gives the Holy Spirit the ammunition he needs at the point of your attack it's, it's an interesting thing, and I just said this is a fairly new observation for me, Bill. When when Paul s- talks about the armor of God, he gives the you know the shield of, uh, of of faith, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. The sword is the word of God, right? That Greek word for word of God is not is not the word logos for the the printed word or. Uh, it is actually the Greek word for the spoken word. So until people can speak God's truth at the point of their pain, at the point of their crisis, they are not as stable or gritty in their faith. So that's why I say, going, going back to your question, I don't want people rushing through this. Take the whole week, do all five exercises, and it will be most powerful, like any workout program or any diet program, if you do it in a community of people who care about you. Yeah. So I, I would say challenge your small group to go through it together in a year. Yeah, that's a great counsel. Mark, also encourage people, 
when their default answer is I can't memorize or I'm bad at memorizing, uh, give give those folks a, a new default to have. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this could not be simpler. Go to core52.org and each day two, so there's 52 weeks, each day two, you're going to have a video. You'll see me personally. I'm memorizing the verse with you, like on screen. You'll you don't even have to have a Bible in your hand. The words are going to come up on the screen. We're going to memorize it together. They will disappear at the appropriate time. And at the end of three minutes, you will have the verse memorized. Now, you may have to work a little bit on it to keep it memorized, but I coach you. I coach people through that. If you want to know how to memorize anything, whether it's the Bible or a play, those videos will give you the tools and tricks to do it more quickly and more permanently. Okay. Just watch a video. Yeah, okay, that's brilliant because there's so many people that are so freaked out about memorizing Scripture because they just they, they block it in their head and they say, I can't do it. So let's open up new opportunities and different ways in which you can memorize Scripture. So interactive video uh, might just be the ticket for you. Yeah, and actually through the first four videos, I give five different techniques because different learners, some are visual, some are auditory, some are tactile. But as you begin piecing some of those tricks and tools together, you'll figure out really quickly what works best for you. Mm-hmm. And everybody who knows their own name, social security number, phone number, or address has zero excuse for saying they can. Those are numbers. <laughs> totally arbitrary. Mm-hmm. If you can memorize numbers and names, you can certainly memorize texts from God's love letter to you. Yeah. I've always said doing something over and over is the key to repetition. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> let, let me take a little break. Mark Moore is my guest. Uh, he's written an amazing little book called Core 52, a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. We'll take a short break and be right back. Welcome back to the show. I have Mark Moore on our studio line. He's this teaching pastor at Christ Church, uh, the Valley in Phoenix, uh, and it's one of the fastest growing churches. If you have not heard this whole interview, they're, they have roughly over 30,000 people a week going through up to nine campuses. So God has his hand on that community and powerful things are happening. So I'm, I have your book open, Mark, and I'm in chapter 41 talking about freedom and the verse I'm looking at is Romans 8.1, which is a great verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the question that the book raises is, how can I experience freedom? And boy, doesn't everyone want to know that? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite chapters in the book because uh, over my almost 40 years of preaching now, the most difficult thing that I have to convince people of is not that they're a sinner, is not that there's heaven and hell, but that they can be free from their past. And I see it, gosh, I see it all, all the time. And I, I just preached a series through Galatians in the month of June, and a woman emailed me who had been abused by her father from age 9 to 19. And now 10 years later, she emails me and says, that truth, and it wasn't Romans 1, but it was a parallel kind of verse out of Galatians, that truth released her, and it, it obviously that you walk a long journey. I'm not saying that everyone gets this miraculous healing, but she did. 
the word of God has the power to heal you. And honestly, I've counseled, I don't know how many thousands of young people over the years who come with abuse or addictions and, and a past. We all have a past. I always take them to Romans 8. I think it is the single most powerful chapter of the entire Bible. And Mark, talk about how it it comes up against a person's identity. And if you have an identity that's, uh, you know, prior to coming to faith in Christ, that identity seems to want to poke its way into your new identity, doesn't it? Well, yeah, sure. And we have, all of us have this voice in our head from multiple different, you know, teachers and coaches and parents. And sometimes we don't even recognize the the, the we, we hit play so many times that these voices are looped in our head telling us who we are. God has a different voice, a different soundtrack. And if we can begin memorizing Scripture, getting into God's Word, that soundtrack will eventually drown out the other voices. We're, we're, we're not going to get over our past, but we can get past our past if the voice we listen to overwhelms the voices from our past. Mm-hmm. And also, Mark, when in chapter 42, you talk about radical change and everyone says, how can I change when I think of my past or my identity or what I think about God or myself? Uh, and you say that it's, it's not that co- changes is not that complicated. And you say there are three simple steps, believe the promise of change, receive the power to change and accept the challenge to change. Would you say a little bit more about those three? Well, those, as I have observed in, uh, again, seeing real people in real lives, we just baptized an 80-year-old man. Oh, sweet. Uh, His daughters had not seen him for 35 years. Wow. They both flew in, and the first time they ever physically touched him in 35 years was in the baptistry of our church. Yeah, you're you're not too old to change. But I just talked to a, a young girl. She's 15 years old. I wish everybody could meet her. She is an amazing servant of God. She's 15 years old, acts like she's got the maturity of a 28-year-old, but she had an eating disorder. And she just – I saw her just Sunday. She just got out of two weeks of rehab. God's doing an amazing work in her life. I, I can talk about Jeff, who – one of the most hilarious moments, Jeff is a big burly dude that came up to me at church and said, you got to talk me into God. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. God can talk you and him. So, no, you got to talk me. Into, well, Jeff, why? Because I like coming to your church, but mm-hmm. I'm an atheist. I said, well, we let atheists come in. You're welcome. He says, no, you don't get it. I've invited five of my neighbors in the last month to come here. They've all gotten baptized. I feel like a hypocrite. Well, Jeff is one of those intellectuals that had some serious questions. But it wasn't the apologetic answers that I gave to him. It was the openness. The most important question Jeff had to answer is, do you want to believe? And once he said yes, God literally showed up in a miraculous way in the, in the cab of his pickup truck. He met God. And so I just, I just – once you begin to believe or even want to begin to believe – God can show up in amazing ways, and you, I've seen people change from lifelong addictions. As have I. Um, Mark, let me ask you this. If your biblical IQ is low, are you going to be able to easily tell what God's will is for your life, or do you need to up that Bible IQ? 
Well, obviously, I think knowing God's will is more about God's power than yours. So I would never say that a person, even if they're far from God, could not know God's will. Because even even Solomon talks about seeing God's will in the plants and animals. So it's, it is accessible. Here's the problem, that we don't change because of what we know. We change because of who we know. And raising your Bible IQ is not really about being smarter. It is about developing a closer relationship with your creator. And when you move from seeing God's fingerprints in the physical world that everybody has access to, to seeing his face in the person of Jesus, which the scriptures are an incredible, obviously he could show up in a vision dream, God's power, he can do that. But it is the scripture where he is self-identified in a letter to you. And the more you get to know him, the greater and more easily you will be able to see the the knowledge of his will and the the path of your own life. Mm-hmm. I love, That's my opinion. No, I I appreciate that. I I love that the Bible is like it says, you know, alive and sharper than any two edged sword. And I'm looking at a passage out of the 40th chapter in your book from Acts 17. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And so the question you raise is, what is the Christian solution to racism? So you're taking God's word and applying it in ways that's uh, going to give us the ability to have uh, discussions in the uh, in the world today. Well, oh man, I'm glad you brought that one up because I, I care about racism. I always have and have always been actively involved in movements of reconciliation. I am distraught, and that's the right word, at where we're going as a nation with racial reconciliation, because the solution that is posed in popular culture is that everyone uh, in their own people groups, their own political groups, uh, have this partisan politics where we fight the other groups for notoriety. We accuse others of the victimization of what's been done to us. That is going to lead us to more and greater division. The biblical solution to racism is not diversity. It is unity. And until we recognize that that person with a fractional different pigmentation is a brother to me, Mm -hmm. a, a fellow human being, a fellow child of God, that person of different gender, that person of different political persuasion, it is, I just want to scream from the rooftops, it's unity that we need. And the only way to get unity, the only way to get unity is by having something larger than both of us that will draw us together. Mm -hmm. And you say in your book, this is precisely why only in the Church of Jesus Christ will our, our culture find racial reconciliation. There's simply no other banner large enough to encompass our diversity. And I agree. Well, and it's, it, that's not, uh, that is not a, a theological or philosophic statement. It's a historical statement. Right. And just this morning I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast, and it was, it was on this topic, and I just got so frustrated again because the Church of Jesus Christ was accused of being racist. Of course there has been racism in our history, but I, I think if you're a historian, then you know that it is the Church of Jesus Christ was the only institution in the early Roman world that included men, women, slave-free, 
different ethnicities, period. And it's through the Church of Jesus Christ that the, the primary racial reconciliation, even in our modern day, has taken place. There would, there would have been no Martin Luther King Jr. if there was not the Church of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. period. And Mark, is there anything that more important for a believer to just go from being curious about the Bible to having real, real confidence in it? Yeah, well, certainly God gave it to us for a reason, and millions have died for its preservation. It is the single best-selling book year over year since the printing press of Gutenberg. If we don't know this, we'll not just be spiritually ignorant, we'll be socially and politically crippled. This, This lives where we do. It is not an ancient archaic book. From psychology to sociology to politics to education, the Bible has a depth to it. And obviously, at the core is the relationship with Jesus Christ that brings eternal salvation. Mark, it's been uh, really nice meeting you, and I'm, I've been enjoyed uh, hearing about Core 52, your new book, and really uh, appreciate what you've done to put this together and provided such a great resource for people. Well, thank you for letting us get the word out, Bill. Yeah. You've been really kind. Oh, thank you so much. Mark Moore has been my guest. And again, his book is called Core 52, a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. And who doesn't want to do that? We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.